0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the FBC Livingston Podcast. After this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Go ahead and take your copy of God's Word and let's go to Zechariah. I'm going to go ahead and give you that because maybe if you weren't in Bible drills, that may take you a little while to find that one, but go to Zechariah. I got something I want to get out over here. Everybody found Zechariah, minor prophet. So my first sermon here, I want to talk about Lucifer. Say thanks. Appreciate that positive word this morning. I want us to look at our enemy. Because we are fighting a very real fight. You with me? But it is very real. Now, come on now, you're going to have to talk with me. I, I'm a very inter, I like to interact with you. That's one of the reasons I like to preach on the floor. i want to talk about Lucifer this morning. What this message is, is it is going to equip you. It is going to equip you, for those of you who are followers of Christ, to know how to do battle, against the one that hates God and hates you. You with me? I'm hoping and praying that this message will be a message that will equip you to do battle against someone that hates you very much. Hates our Father very much. See, Lucifer's, Lucifer's message, uh, mission is very clear, is it not? What, what is his, his mission is to steal, kill, and What? very good so his mission is to steal kill and destroy everything that matters to the heart of god but the good news is this is that greater is he who is in us than than he who dwells in the world you know ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 sort of sets the tone for us this morning i know i told you to go to Zechariah, but in ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 This is what the Apostle Paul says about a very real battle that you and I are in the presence of right now. The Word says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's the Apostle Paul. That we are in the middle of a very real war. Do you see it today where you are? Do you see it at your jobs? Do you see it at your schools? Do you see it almost everywhere that we go? Do you see it every time you turn the television on? You see the world, we see the war that we are a part of. So let's start with this morning with this. The idea that Satan is the accuser. You see that? That Satan is the accuser who attacks you and your heart with accusations. So he accuses and attacks your heart. Are you with me? That he accuses and attacks your heart. Allow me to tell you a story. When I heard the accusatory voice of Lucifer. Being from Mississippi, there are times that... We go home. That's what I still call home. And every time we get to the welcome to the Mississippi, the great state of Mississippi, it makes me smile. Of course, if you've been to Mississippi, you're thinking, why are you smiling going into that state? But I'm proud of my home state. But every now and then, we'll go home to Mississippi to see my parents, Kristen's parents live in Alabama. I don't really smile when I go in Alabama, but I do smile when I go into the state of Mississippi. So when I go in... My mother is a, and I'm hoping that you'll get to meet my parents eventually, but my mother is a scheduler. And my wife is smiling right now because she knows that. My, my, my mother loves to have a schedule for everything. Anybody else like that in here? Okay. I'm, I'm sure there's got to be some. But my mother is a scheduler, and when she tells me that supper starts at 6.15, I want to walk in the door at 6.10 because I know what's waiting on me. I know the food that's waiting on me. So when, when I, she is a scheduler, and one, there was one time we were going to Mississippi and we were running a little bit late. And my wife looked at me and she said, Jason, the children are hungry. Well, I was going to keep driving. But my wife looked at me again when we got to Birmingham and she said, Jason, the children are hungry. You've got to stop. I said, all right, where are we going? And it started. You know, you all know what I'm about to say, right? I said, where would you like to go? Oh, it doesn't matter to me. See, every single person in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so we're going to stop. Where would you like to go? It doesn't matter to me. We lived in Athens, Tennessee. There was a time after church that I asked them where they wanted to eat for lunch, and they said, anywhere you want to. So I started picking places. So I pulled into the belt parking lot, and I just stopped, and I turned off the van, and I said, we will not move from here until we figure it out. Well, Kristen said, well, let's go. I, I, she said, let's go here, and let's go over here to get something for Isabella, and let's go over here to get something for Grace Scarlett, and Let's go over here to get something for Karis, and I lost it. I know Christ is my Savior, but I lost it. All of a sudden, I revved the van up at a very high rate of speed. I hit the steering wheel. I was upset because I knew what was waiting on me in the great state of Mississippi because my mama had made supper. But I was upset. Not one of my finer moments. Bad thing about it was no one spoke to me all the way home. I'll have to tell you, though, the next two days after my tantrum that I had in the car, because, yes, I still have tantrums, I still sin, I still mess up just like every single one of us in this room, I experienced the fiery darts of accusations like you cannot imagine. And you may say, Jason, that's, that's no big deal. Well, it was to me. Because I acted like someone that I was not proud of in front of my children. In front of my family. In front of my wife. And see, the devil began to speak and he he began to try to tell me that you're not righteous. You're You're not good enough. You shouldn't be married to a woman like Kristen. You're not worthy of that. You're very undeserving. You're a bad example to your children. See, and the accuser accused me of not being a good dad. And all of a sudden, this guilt begins to overwhelm me. Have you ever been there before? That you've gone off the deep end and you've done something that you know you're not supposed to do. And man, the devil just loves to sort of take that and twist it, doesn't he? He loves to tell you that you're not worthy, that you'll never be anything in the kingdom of God. He loves to do things like that to us as his children, as God's children. Or Satan accuses you. He makes you feel unworthy. You remember what John called the devil in Revelation twelve ten? He said this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have you come the salvation... And the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. And watch this. This is what John saw in the Isle of Patmos. Now, now keep in mind, this is prophetic. This is this has not yet happened yet. But he says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. See, he is defeated by Jesus Christ in the end. He has been hurled down. But this verse here, it says, Because we are we are pre-this. See, he doesn't stop accusing us day and night. But what's interesting about Lucifer, what's interesting about Satan is that before you sin, Lucifer is like, yeah, go ahead and do that. It's your life. You live your life the way you want to live your life. Don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. See, that's what Lucifer tells you before the sin happens. But after the sin happens, he completely changes his tone and he says, look what you did. God doesn't love you. God can never use you again. You've gone too far. See, because I know I'm speaking to people. I know I don't know you personally yet. I will. But I know I don't know you personally yet, but I know that we are human beings, and we have messed up? And we have allowed Satan to mess with us in this way? And he says, you've gone too far. See, because if I had believed that, there's no way that I would do what I do. How do we overcome the voice of the accuser? How do we do that? How do we overcome the voice of the accuser? I want us to look at something very powerful, very prophetic, very personal. From the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. And I'm going to give you a little context here, okay? Don't lose me. When I'm giving you the context, I want you to see what's about to happen. Because a lot of the times when you just read Scripture cold, it's hard to understand it. But if you know the story before and you know the story after, it sort of helps it, doesn't it? So a little bit of the, of the back story here. Zechariah has, has a vision, and he sees this heavenly courtroom. So I want you to imagine, just for a second, a courtroom. Imagine this place being a courtroom. We're going to see different characters in this story. First of all, there's God, and God is the judge in, the, in this story. And then there's Joshua, and Joshua is the high priest. He, he's, he's the one on trial. He's the defendant. And then there's Satan, and Satan is the prosecutor. Okay. Satan is the one that's trying to convince the judge that Joshua has done wrong. But again, and what's interesting is Satan actually appears to even have a case against Joshua. He really does. He appears to have a case against Joshua's guilt because he's going to say Joshua's robes are very dirty and a high priest's robes ought never to be dirty, right? Filth is always a sign of sin or a picture of sin. And so Satan appears to have a case against the high priest. Now perhaps Joshua the high priest is guilty he's on trial but God is the judge and Joshua is now being attacked by the accuser look at Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1 it says this then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord now now hold on just a second did everybody just see that the angel of the Lord All right, let's pause just for a second. I want to talk about the angel of the Lord. In this story, the angel of the Lord most likely is Christ. Are you with me? Don't lose me. Most likely in this story, the angel is Christ. You may say, but Jason, wait a minute. Now, this is the Old Testament. Well, you're right. It is the Old Testament. But you realize that Christ is in the Old Testament too, right? Because I love the Old Testament. You can't have the Old Testament without the... I mean, you can't have the New without the Old, All right. So, so Jesus is all through the Old Testament. Let me teach you a word. It's, it's Christophany. Christophany, it, it means that it, there's an appearance of Christ in the Bible in a non-physical form. There's many Christophanies all through the Old Testament of where Christ was present in the Old Testament. You know, Jesus is actually first seen in the Old Testament as the person who appeared as the angel of the Lord in his sudden confrontation with Sarah's maidservant, Hagar. So that was Christ appearing in the Bible in a non-physical form. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. Then the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now, in other words listen listen in other words he may be guilty and yes there are consequences to sin but he's being saved but here comes the truth look at the truth verse 3 it says now joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel all right he was dirty when he should have been clean all right You see that. Now, there's a lot of things that we could go from just that passage right there. But he was dirty when he should have been clean. Remember that. You ever been somewhere where you're underdressed? You know how that feels? That's just sort of a a really weird feeling. You know, being overdressed is not quite as bad as being underdressed. You know, I remember going to a wedding rehearsal dinner where I was told that people were wearing khaki shorts and shirts. Well, I was preaching the wedding, so I thought, that's fine. I'll wear shorts. It doesn't matter to me. Walked in there and everybody had a suit on. I'm glad it was at my church because I had a a coat and tie in in my office. I was able to go change. But see, it it just feels sort of funny. I hate that, that feeling. Imagine, though. Imagine standing before God, not just underdressed, but you've got sin on you. Jackson, come here just a second. Put this on. I want to give you a visual this morning. So you're not just underdressed, but you've got sin on you. You've got the stain of sin. Now, I know Jackson's a good-looking guy, but, but just pay attention over here, okay? Pay attention over here. Imagine of you standing in front of the Father, okay? You've got the courtroom scene. Imagine you standing in front of the Father, and you've got the stain of sin. And God is holy, and suddenly you feel incredibly guilty. And then I want you to imagine the prosecutor. I want you to imagine the accuser. The devil sitting there pointing out what you did wrong. The accuser. I I don't know what it is for you. Then maybe you're, you're on trial and you're standing here and you've got sin in your life. Just like every single one of us do. But you've got sin in your life and you're standing before an almighty God and completely holy and completely righteous and you're standing there with sin all over you. Well, it's like Joshua standing in front of the angel and he's standing there in a dirty, filthy, high priestly robe which did not happen. I don't know, what is it for you? What would Satan say to you? What would Satan accuse you of? As you're standing in front, what would he accuse you of? Maybe what what does this black stuff mean in your life? Maybe Satan's accusing you. Didn't you lie about that? Didn't you cheat on that test? Don't, Don't you battle lust? Don't you look at pornography? Don't you mess around with stuff like that? Didn't you let somebody down in your life? Haven't you hurt someone that you love? See, the devil accuses, and he's hurling guilt and shame and condemnation because that's what he does. He is the accuser who accuses God's people day and night. So the devil is trying to prove Joshua's guilt. Oh, but watch this. You ready? Because Jesus is on the defense. Because it says this in verse 4, it says, The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Okay, now look. He says, yes, you're dirty. And yes, you're guilty. And yes, you may be unworthy, But the angel is saying, but I'm taking away that which shows the residue of sin. That's what he's telling Joshua. I'm going to put fine garments on you. Watch this. Sorry, I just wanted to rock a circle. I put it down here. Watch this. Take that nasty thing off. See, this is what Christ does for you and I. Watch this. Even though we know that there's sin and we're unworthy of His love and His grace and His mercy, every single one of us in this room, including me, maybe I'm the chief sinner in this room. See, but what happens is, and just like He does for Joshua in the Old Testament... He takes the sin and He takes the nasty, filthy robe of a high priest that should never be that way. He takes it and He throws it away and He puts this on us. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. See, it's gone when we trust His name. All of a sudden, this filthiness is gone. And yes, as Christians, we're still going to mess up and we're still going to sin. But do you see what He's doing for Joshua? He does the same thing for you and for me. This is no longer who Jackson is. Oh, there's still sin in his life, I'm sure. I love him. He's my brother in Christ. I'm sure that there are things that he still does wrong because we all do that. But because of the redemption of Jesus and because of his promises, all of a sudden this is taken and it's thrown away. Now, I want you to notice one thing, and this just sort of popped into my head. He didn't leave it on him. No longer is it the day of atonement. You know what the day of atonement is, right? It's the covering of sin. But that was before the cross changed everything. You see that? See, it's not, even, it's not even covering it. His purity doesn't even cover it. It's taken away. Okay, thank you, Jackson. So the angel looked at Joshua and he said, let's put some clean clothes on this guy. Take off those filthy robes. Put the robes of righteousness on him. Because see, I have forgiven you. Could it have been that the high priest was guilty? The angel of the Lord Christ in the Old Testament says, take the dirty robes off. Put on the fine garment. I've taken it away. Look at verse 5. And then I said, put a clean turban on his head. You say, why, why would he put a turban on his head? Because that was the priestly, that was what they were supposed to put on. That was the uniform. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. Watch this. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you a place among these standing here. Listen, I don't, I don't know who in this, this room needs to hear this. I don't know if you're watching on Facebook live. I, I don't know, I don't know who in this room needs to hear this, but there's some of you that have been living under the accusations of the enemy. See, I know that because there's more than two people here. There are some of you in this room, you need to hear this sermon this morning because you have been living under the accusations of the devil. The enemy is saying to you, See, you know what? Anytime and almost every time I preach about the devil, about Satan, something happens to try to mess up the train of thought. Every single time. I don't know why. I have my suspicions, but maybe you've had doubt. Maybe you've battled with different things in your life. Maybe even right now you have doubts. And maybe right now that Satan is trying to make you believe that you're not good enough. Truth be known, if I was here because I was good enough, I'd be a liar. There's nothing inside of me that makes me good enough or righteous enough to be your pastor. But God. Am I going to mess up? Absolutely. Are you going to mess up? Absolutely. We love each other through that. See, because Satan tries to make us doubt. But God says, no. God says, I have forgiven your sin. And what he tells Joshua, he says, get back to the temple and start working, man. See, I think that's what he's teaching us. Get back to the church and start working. And when I mean church, I don't necessarily mean this building, by the way. Because you are the church. The church lives inside of you. You know, because anytime I see a church building, when it says on there it's closed, I think, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Because if you say the church is closed, that means you're closed. The Lord says to Joshua... Go back to the temple and start working. Keep loving in my name. Keep lifting up my name. Go back to the temple and keep serving the Lord. See, so many of us in this room, we have got to get back to pointing people to Jesus. We have to. There is no other way around it. That we have to get back to the point of pointing people back to Jesus and lifting up his name and serving in a way that pleases Jesus. Okay, can I I get in your business just a second? I'm going to anyway. That really wasn't a question. It was more of a statement. Um, I know church. I'm 45 years old. I was in church before I was born. I know church has issues. I know every single church in this world has issues. Why? Because human beings are a part of it. I know that. So one thing that I have learned from this passage that I want to teach you this morning is that he tells Joshua, take off the dirty clothes, put some clean ones on and go back to work and do what I have called you to do. Could it be that maybe, this is what I call it, could it be that maybe the parking lot talk needs to stop? Now, keep in mind, I'm brand new here. I don't know if that happens or not. You know what parking lot talk is, right? That's when you don't like the preacher and you go out in the parking lot and you talk about how bad he is, okay? You know what I'm talking about with that, right? It's okay to smile. It's all right. I know what happens here. It's got to. Maybe some of that needs to stop. Maybe some of the phone calls need to stop. Maybe some of the ugly text messages need to stop. Maybe some of the ridiculous things that we put on social media needs to stop. You say, oh, you're up in my business now, man. Don't mess with my business. What I'm trying to say is, Is that I love you as your pastor, even before I even know who you are. Because we are God's children. But I also know sometimes when we fall to the accusations of the accuser, there's no telling what we'll do. Here's why I say that. We, as a church, have to be on one team. You with me? We, as a church, have to be on one team. And let me say this. The churches in this area that proclaim Jesus, we're on their team too. It's not just First Baptist against the world. It's Memorial Baptist. It's Allen's Baptist or however you say that name. I don't even know how to say it in the eye, but I'll figure it out. Did I say it right? Oh, well, look at that. Okay. Listen to me. If we do not, if we do not fight on one team, make no mistake about it, we will be destroyed. I don't mean the church because the church is never going to be destroyed. Amen? The church will never be destroyed. The church will only be lifted up. Praise Jesus. The church will never be destroyed. But if we don't play on one team, Is that Jason's team? Absolutely not. It's our father's team. And when our father's calling the shots, and when we're proclaiming the word, you know, a lot of those other things just sort of fall by the wayside. Well, there may be some things we have to do to make it happen that way. Do you see where I'm getting at? Through this passage, Jesus is saying, Joshua, go back and do what you're supposed to do. Could it be that he's teaching us that same thing? Go back and do what you're supposed to do. Go back to uplifting the name of Jesus. I'm not saying that you weren't before. I'm not saying that at all. But we are one team. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And watch this. This, this part of this verse is so important out of Second Corinthians chapter 10. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus. Okay? Now, there's a reason I, I read that verse that we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, whenever the enemy starts lying to us and accusing us, telling us that we're not worthy, what does the Word tell us to do? Well, we don't fight with worldly weapons, but we take that thought and we make it obedient to Jesus. What do we have to work with? Well, we have the helmet of salvation. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shield of faith. We have the belt of truth. We have the shoes prepared with the gospel of peace. And we have one offensive weapon. Woo! We have one offensive weapon that if you don't use it every single day, let me encourage you to start using it every single day. See, that one of those weapons, that one offensive weapon that we have is the Word. So we take the accusations of the enemy. We capture them. We make them obedient to Christ. See, because whenever we hear that you're a failure and you're no good, no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Christ is the one that makes us that way. See, because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that once I've given my life to Christ, what what, what does that say? It says that the old has gone and what? The new has come. And once we trust Jesus, we are different. Paul even calls us peculiar. We are different because of Jesus, not because of anything else. We are different because of Christ. We are under attack. From the evil one. And what the evil one meant for harm, my God will use for good. That you may go through a hard time right now. But the word also says, I consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever I face trials of many kind, because I know the testing of my faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work in me, so I may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's not preaching, that's the word. Last thing, for I am convinced that neither life nor death nor demons nor principalities nor any power, rather height, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. That's rather all-encompassing, don't you think? Because my God is with me and he is for me. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because no weapon against me will prosper. I will silence every voice raised up to accuse me. I use a lot of scripture in sermons. Because I think I'm supposed to. Because you're never wrong when you're quoting his word. Are you living under the accusatory voice of Satan? You personally. Don't look around, don't look to your left or to your right. I'm talking to you personally, individually. Are you living under the accusatory voice of of Satan? Are you a child of God that's living under the accusatory voice of Satan? Are there things in your life that you've fallen victim to because Satan has convinced you of that, that you'll never be any better than what you are. Listen to me, folks. If you know Christ as your Savior, you do not have to live under his voice. You with me? You do not have to live under that voice. We make every thought obedient to Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about our church, please go to www.fbclivingston.com We'll see you soon.